0: Hi. Good morning. Good evening. Where are you right now? I am in San Francisco. It is nine o six a.m. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm in Dallas right now. It's eleven a.m. So I guess it's morning for me as well. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Well, it's going. It's going
1: good. Started day with a workout, and that always, you know, brings the energy up.
0: Hey, we need to learn some things. For you're you're the kind of CEO that wake up at five a.m. Are you the kind of guy? <laughs> six a.m.
1: <laughs> five a.m. Yes.
0: Too much. Because we see a lot of videos like this is what CEOs should do wake up at 5 a.m. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Don't believe that. That's clickbait. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's what I wanna. That's what I wanna hear. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Product League podcast. In this episode, I have a very special guest today. I'm going to discuss with the CEO of Product School, Carlos Gonzalez. Product School, for those who don't know, offers product management certifications, which are considered the most industry recognized credential by employers hiring product managers. It also has the largest product community in the world with over two million members. And last but not least, the organized ProductCon, the largest product management conference in the world. Carlos, I was told, is very excited about the future of product. Hence, today, we will go through an historical view of product management, how it was created, where it is now and where it is headed towards the future. Carlos founded Product School officially 10 years ago, but as he tells us, he started building products way before that, and that inspired him to start the Product School. He started computer science in Spain, and then he moved to Silicon Valley to do grad school in business. So why did he change from computer science to business?
1: I realized that engineering school was a good opportunity for me to, to learn more about how things are built, but I also didn't want to spend the rest of my life just Coding or or building <clears throat> without really connecting uh, what we were, what I was building with market. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to go to business school, even though because in right I didn't even know my options. There was no product school. There wasn't really another solution. I just knew that I didn't want to leverage my technical background as an engineer for the rest of my life.
0: But soon enough, Carlos found out that what he was learning in business school was not practical enough in learning how to connect products with markets. But then he realized something. Um,
1: I met a lot of engineers, people with a technical background like myself that were also thinking business and that was refreshing. But at that time, I didn't even know what a product manager. Mm. Be or was and that was a little bit of my inspiration then it when that moment I started realizing there were a lot of people kind of like me hybrids in between engineering and business that were working as product managers at really cool companies and I was like oh my god this is exactly what I've been doing with my previous companies and I just didn't
0: even know how to call it And that's how he created the school he wished he had while he was trying to figure out himself what product management was. While doing so, he made sure to make a change in the way product management was taught.
1: The other thing that was very important to me that I didn't love when I was a full-time student in more traditional places was that a lot of the teachers there were actually teachers. And there's nothing wrong against being a teacher. I actually love education, but I believe that, especially in product, best teachers are actually practitioners, and even if they don't have a teacher degree. So all of our instructors, they are product leaders, actively working at some of the best tech companies, such as Google, Meta, Netflix, Airbnb. They are literally taking time out of their life and their family time and other things to give back to the community because there was no product school when Mm -hmm. they broke into product, So there is like a a, a give back element that is very important, but it's also very impactful for the students because they are learning from people they aspire to be.
0: As I previously said, Carlos is very passionate about the future of product. Here's what he said in front of a hundred thousand plus virtual and in-person attendees at PradoCon conference in London this year.
1: This is the best time in history to build digital products. If you work in product, you're definitely at the right place at the right time.
0: Did you hear that? The right place at the right time. That's definitely what a student of product management wants to hear. Now, before we go to the future of product management, and here's a hint, it's all about AI. Let's talk, first of all, about the story of how product management as a role came to be. And there's actually a story behind that. And then let's talk about where product management is now and how it is progressing to the future. Okay, story time. The modern product management started in 1931 with a memo written by Neil H. Roy at Procter & Gamble. It started out, as a website put it, a justification to hire more people, but then became a cornerstone in modern thinking about brand management and ultimately product management. Neil first laid out the 800 word memo, which actually you can find online, with a simple concise description of brand man. So product managers initially were known as brand men. He hired two people initially and then the rest is history.
1: In the early <laughs> 2000s, if you use the word "product," it would be associated with something physical. Yeah. And in fact, companies that are more focused on consumer packaged goods um, use the term "brand manager" to define what we call today the "product manager." So it started, you know, early on in the early 2000s, but it, there wasn't really a lot of awareness around what is it to build some, something digital. And um, there was something created in the 2001 called the Agile Manifesto. That started to show some, some practices or, or at least principles around building software. This was created by 14 software engineers that. We're kind of rebelling against the traditional waterfall way, the traditional um, approach to building hardware. They said, well, instead of having to do everything face by face and have to wait for one phase to be done before we start the next one, what if we try to move faster? What if we can start different staggered phases? So by the time, well, and, and do it more often. So instead of having to spend a lot of time planning and then executing, what if we plan a little bit, then execute a little bit, take some feedback from the market and the user, and then go back to plan and execute and so on. So that was kind of the, the basics of, of Agile. Uh, but it was also very, it was a long time ago, early 2000s, right? So by the time they created this manifesto, there wasn't, the internet wasn't mainstream. Smartphones mm-hmm. weren't really a thing. Obviously. There was no social media. Mm-hmm. So it was time for a for a refresher. Uh, and that's what we tried to do. In the, in the 21st century, basically, which is taking some of the good practices from, from Agile and then elevating this to the next level. But what does that mean? Well, what that means is that today it's at least one third in the Fortune 100 companies that have a chief product officer.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: is incredible because in the Fortune 100, it's not just tech companies. You have oil and gas companies, you have banks, you exactly. have insurance, you have healthcare. Those companies are really behaving or trying to behave like software companies. that's why they have a chief product officer. And that person is in charge of, so many times, digital transformation, right? Like investing in not only the external products that they are selling to the end user, but also the internal tools, the technology that they are using to better collaborate and be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a long way to go. We're at one third. My, my, my prediction based on the data that we prepared for the future of product report is that there will be at least 50%, at least 50 companies out of Fortune 100 that will have a chief product officer by the end of 2024. That's mm-hmm. really refreshing because in a way, even though you and I working are in product, we're always seeing uh, things. It's still very, li- it's still a bubble. Like if you look at the, the, the maturity of the market, we're at the very beginnings. I agree, the future looks very bright because more companies are going to try to behave like, like software companies, and the role of the product manager is absolutely key in this transformation.
0: Carlos, the historical overview—it really seems very interesting. As I said, from brand man to uh, Agile manifesto in 2000, no internet or nothing. The way that it has progressed until now, we all know. As I said, not only Product School has certified two million people already, or a community of two million people, uh, but also like universities are having product management track as a specialization. Product management is growing overall. How did we come up today? Uh, is it because the company saw the the need for product managers? Was there a historical moment in which the product managers boomed? Like, for example, AI engineers are booming right now. Was there any history in between that make us uh, where we are today? And us, I mean, students, I'm not uh, established yet.
1: <laughs> when I started, there was uh, no university or other institution really teaching this discipline. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2014. So almost, almost 10 years forward now, as you very well know, there are universities teaching product management as a dedicated program. Yeah. But also we're seeing uh, MBA programs incorporating product management as a topic. Yeah. Um, I see this as a, at a master's degree level. I haven't seen a product management degrees yet, although I hope it yeah, happens. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's the more same, like
0: a specialization or a class or two. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The same way in the future, I hope, is even product management training at the high school level. Because I believe it's it's a really important way of thinking, regardless of the job that you end up getting. At least I wish I had that access, because again, like I ended up building my dream school after business school, right? I wish I had access to some of this uh knowledge back back in the day. But anyway, this is where we are, and I think that's that's part of our mission to empower the next generation of of product leaders. Um yes, and the other thing that we noticed is that. Obviously, in the market, there is a lot of demand for product people. That's ultimately what's um, helping all of us grow. Mm. Um, I think 2013, 2014, there were still a lot of misconceptions around why do we need a product manager? I or mean, is it's this still today, for Carlos. everybody? <laughs> uh-huh. still I, today I agree. That. I agree. That's, that, that's a great point, right? Like when I, we use numbers such as a 2 million member community, it sounds like a lot, and it is in a way, but, but it should be. 20 or 200 members in the future because the need is there. Like I think of this as an opportunity for basically every company to be much more efficient. But, you know, when we started, this was an uphill battle even in San Francisco, which it's usually one of those tech hubs, right? Um, People come to us saying, well, how many companies are there hiring product managers? What is the difference between product manager and project manager? Mm -hmm. Do I need to know how to code? Do I need an MBA? Um, so those like the, the original questions I think we're now at a different stage of maturity at least in, mm. in certain markets such as San Francisco New York London and others where questions that we we'll receive from students are slightly different. They already did the research they already saw there's a huge demand in the market they want to be PNs and they're asking about well, how how do I make it happen, right? And, mm. and the good thing is that Great product managers can come from pretty much any professional background. There is no correlation between, oh, you need to know how to code in order to be a great PM, or you need to have an MBA in order to be
0: a great PM. That's what I want to so hear. all of
1: these myths that are being demystified are helping the whole market. Uh, we have more and more CPOs that are now being put on these platforms to give back to the community, to share their stories. A lot of these CPOs were... Uh, You know, former literature majors, economic majors, or they have nothing to do with technology, or maybe they did come from technology. The point is, there are so many different ways to break into product. And now we finally have role models. So we understand better what is how we can get there.
0: Mm. So by understanding better how we can get there, and as you said, maturity and more people, uh, then the right people are entering the PM role without having any hesitation that I don't have these skills, I don't have the skills. So maybe the Correct. awareness of people is putting the right people to this role that is increasing it in, an, there is in a definitely,
1: sense. There is definitely more awareness. We're contributing to that, clearly. And and a lot of our students, yes, there, some of them come from technical backgrounds, some of them the MBAs and some of them also did marketing or design or business operations or customer support. And now they're getting really good product roles. So they are getting to a point where they can also give back to that next generation. And that's a,
0: that's
1: a beautiful thing.
0: That's interesting. When I'm, I come from a purely business background, I'm a sales guy <laughs> and I joined the IT and management. So that's the um, the degree here. 95%, I would say, if not 99, but 95% are IT people. And when I joined this, this class, they were like, why are you here? You're a business guy. I was like, guys, product managers also come from business background. So I feel like it is going there. We're not still there into the awareness that, hey, you don't belong here. You belong here. But I, I guess maturity is happening. And I'm really glad for that. And hopefully this podcast will inspire people as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that you are hosting now your product club and a podcast yeah. for your club shows yeah. how much interest there is in, in product. And I believe that's that's good for everybody because you guys, next time we talk, you're probably going to be in a product position. And yeah, hopefully. Hopefully so we- you are on the other <laughs> side of the table sharing your story about how you were probably not like others in the class and how you worked your way through product. And that's what I'm trying to, to inspire because... We all win. I believe that knowledge is best when shared. Absolutely. And uh, I think product product leaders were lacking a platform. Uh, at least in San Francisco, there's a lot of forums for CEOs and founders. But the product leader is usually the person who does a lot of the work and doesn't always get a lot of the credit. Oh, yeah. You know, when when we started this this platform and the whole goal wasn't for me to be on, on podcast. I mean, I'd be happy to do it because... Because I love it, but it's more for me to empower other product leaders that hold incredible roles at Google, Meta, Netflix, and have them share what they were doing when they were our age.
0: That's 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 exactly what I'm also aiming to do, you know. And uh, it is, I I had an episode in which one of the dark sides of product management was that it was a thank thankless job in a sense, and two product managers kind of agreed to it. So it is, it's kind of a shame, but I'm hoping that it's going to progress there to be th- to be. To not feel that this is a thankless job as you also mentioned uh indirectly i believe um mm-hmm.
1: and and i mean some some that data if you go to linkedin today you'll find over seventy five thousand open jobs for product that's, <clears throat> that's incredible that's at least 10x more than the amount of open jobs uh, for product Ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So the demand keeps and keeps growing. Some of the reasons why, other than the fact that now more companies are aware of the fact they need to act like software companies regardless of what they sell is, other events that happen in the world, such as the pandemic. Like we noticed that at some, like, a lot of companies were forced to work remotely,
0: or yeah, were forced absolutely.
1: to offer some of their products or services online. And how do you do that? Well you need someone that can help internally to increase that type of collaboration the product Mm. money is at the at the first role for for transformation
0: and then since you mentioned this uh so basically the market seventy five thousand open positions and everything else you mentioned in product con which i i listened to it i'm not sure if it was the last year to be correct but i think it was the last year's product con when you talked about the future of product and you also mentioned that in the midst of layoffs Product managers are surviving. And you also mentioned, for example, that Twitter, uh, where only 4% of Twitter layoffs were product roles. Uh, Probably have more uh, data since then. But why are we surviving? I mean, obviously, we just discussed (laughs) it. But again, give us more stronger uh, statements, inspire us, motivate us.
1: (laughs) Why are we surviving? I think in general, humans are pretty resilient. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And specifically for, for product professionals, why are being less impacted by this type of layoffs than maybe other functions. And that's that's correct. That's the data that we shared uh, in our last report that I also shared in our last conference in New York. Um, yeah, there's like a huge headline that is saying that it's scary, right? Like especially big tech companies that were hiding like crazy so long ago are now um, reducing their force. Um, but if you go a little deeper and look at, okay, what are the people who are, what are the functions that are being impacted the most? Yes, there are some obvious ones such as recruiting, but product and engineering are some of the least impacted ones. In, in mm. the, you mentioned the example of Amazon. I think it's just less than 4% out of all the, 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 the Twitter all of the impact yeah. of Twitter. Uh, Meta, Amazon, definitely all of them weigh 5%. The pattern um, well, because this is your investment and this is this is the, this is the heart of your company. Like at the end of the day, the all we are all feeling the pressure from from the market at least and there might be other pressures. But when your clients are reducing their budget, all the vendors feel it. So it's like a domino effect that doesn't really benefit anybody. So how are you going to keep your customers? Well, you're going to keep your customers by making your customers happy. And mm-hmm. that is and that's something you cannot fake. You cannot fake an excellent user experience or an excellent customer experience. Who provides an excellent experience? Well, mm. the product, the product managers. You cannot get rid of the product managers or the engineers because they are the blood, the heart of your of your business. And if, if anything, those those teams are are growing, or or at least not being reduced because product is not just a retention mechanism for your existing customers; it's also an expansion mechanism. Now, we're seeing a lot of companies implementing a strategy called product-led growth. What that means in a nutshell is that you can leverage your product as an inbound growth channel to bring new customers. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you have to delight your existing customers. If you do delight your existing customers, you can find ways to encourage them to also share that experience with other customers and come. That's one way. Another way to do it, and we're seeing a lot of companies trying is allowing potential customers to use your product even before they pay. It's literally leading with product. It's, mm. it's, it's showing, it's, it's instead of trying to have a, a barrier that says, I'm going to speak with you on the phone and then I'm going to pitch you a power, but yeah. it's only when you pay, you are going to start feeling the product. I'm My product is my business card. My product is, is what you can do right away. You don't even have to interact with me. If you don't want to. And from there we are going to nurture those types of potential customers and find opportunities to upsell them. So for those two reasons, one is retention of customers, but the other one is extension of customers. That's why the product teams are not being affected um, as much as any other teams during this recession.
0: That's what we definitely want to hear. And just to to wrap up the today world of product management, so basically the need is there. Uh, In the midst of layoffs, product managers are still stable, jobs are still going, and the reason for that is that they are useful. We are useful. So I mean, the the market is telling us that it is an a, a skill that is useful right now, no matter what are the, the the let's say the stereotypes of product managers are not needed. I just had a class, for example, and one of the things was that Airbnb uh removed product managers from from their team. So hearing these kind of stories, it kind of makes you feel like, huh, is this stable? Is it not stable? But again, we are on the right industry. And we should continue going into this role. Now, going to the future of product management, Carlos, I guess this is the most exciting part. Um, AI, I know it. So I'm not going to ask, what do you think about AI? Because honestly, 100 times a day. But how do you see the future with AI in it for product managers? How is this changing? And maybe how are your materials changing as well, mm-hmm. uh, progressing towards this?
1: Absolutely. And, and just one thing to, to clarify, yeah, I, I I don't believe that the CEO of Airbnb um, uh, said that he was getting rid of of the product team. I think in a way he was misunderstood What he was saying is that he yeah. wanted to better integrate the product team with the marketing team so they yes. could all be in this together.
0: Actually, yeah, there was a tweet. Actually, I remember right now the second slide was a tweet saying, hey, I think I was misunderstood. But then again, like propaganda, like media, you know how it happens, right? So misinformation exactly. everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for clarifying that.
1: Of course. And anyone can go to the airbnb.com careers page and see how many product managers they're actually hiding. And exactly. I don't work for Airbnb or anything, but <laughs> I, I feel the moral obligation to also clarify these, these points because I, I believe that the, this profession has, I mean, has a lot of potential. It's been growing for 10 years, but it's going to grow even even faster. Even if we end up changing the name of the the role the same way back in the day some companies would call this brand manager and now they're
0: all calling it product manager, product manager. Regardless and of i was how like strategy product this... manager is like growth product manager exactly. innovation product manager so where's the future exactly then? what are we looking at the future <laughs> and now
1: we're seeing people and now we're seeing people calling themselves ai product manager right yeah it's a keyword is a keyword so, key <laughs> yeah yeah what's, what's what we're seeing is that as this, as this function grows and increases their relevance in the entire company, more companies have CPOs, those product teams are growing. They are not just put at the end after the salesperson sells something. They're also sometimes put at the beginning to show value to the customer before product teams are increasing their relationships with a lot of other functions not just engineering data or design they are close working very closely with customer success they're working very closely in some cases with sales with legal you name it they are literally the core of every organization so if you zoom in you'll see that within the product team they're not just product managers yes product managers it's probably the majority but we mm-hmm. also see product marketers in many cases, we see technical product managers. We see uh, product designers. So there's a lot of other roles, growth product managers, as you mentioned. And that's a good thing. That means that as we grow, we need also specialists within a generalist function that mm-hmm. can support different relationships with stakeholders and other needs for the business. So to your point around AI, I think this is fascinating and an amazing opportunity for all of us. And I want to really embrace it as such. I also understand that there is tremendous risk for for many people. And I can see why people will be scared and think that they are going to be replaced. Because the reality is that, yes, a lot of people will be replaced. Um, There will also be a lot of job opportunities that will be created. But there's also a gray area in between. Mm. It's not just all or nothing. It's about how can you leverage AI for your current job. Uh, to me, AI PMs are going to replace PMs who don't use AI. Hmm.
0: It's
1: not that they are going to replace the PM function as a whole. So it, it's important, and I, I, I do this internally, like to try to understand what are the different opportunities for us yes, to start incorporating artificial intelligence just yes, to either be more productive in, like, and do more things faster, or two, accelerate the the impact of our products so we can reach more customers and and benefit everybody. So that's my take as an optimist technologist, but mm. I also say with caution because I understand why this is not always going to be perfect for everybody.
0: And is there any particular skill that you think in the in the age of AI the students right now should focus on? Um, and maybe as a follow up question, is there any skill that they should not focus on? So basically, is there such an extreme as "hey guys, don't study this, but study this instead"? Do you have any such thing, or nothing is as extreme as this and that?
1: Well, what I've learned from <laughs> my career as a as a CEO is that there's always a great area right? So it's Mm -hmm. very hard to give an absolute statement without the context. But what I can tell you is I've seen a similar pattern in the past with new, with previous disruptions. In in the product industry specifically, the no-code tools were an incredible breakthrough for a lot of us. That's one of the things that allowed non-technical people really Mm -hmm. become uh, much more self-sufficient as product managers. What I mean by this? Well, back in the day when I was a computer science student, Um, I had to learn code, such as CQL, in order to speak to a database and and, and get data. Mm -hmm. I also need need to learn how to code in order to build something. I had to really go deep. And and then there was this new wave of tools, um, very visual, no-code tools that would allow technical and non-technical people just use a, a, a more human language to access data, to build things, now a lot of tools related to data, data analytics or business intelligence, they let you do pretty complex queries mm-hmm. without throwing a single line of SQL. Mm-hmm. Or you can so I'm thinking about tools such as um, Chartio or business intelligence. There, there are tons of them. Heap, Amplitude, Pendo, Gainsight. We have the same example with uh, website builders. You can use tools such as Webflow or Squarespace that will allow you to build an incredible website with a single line of code and also without design. Figma is an amazing example as a prototyping tool that allows non-designers really be very advanced. Mm. These tools will also have advanced functionality for people who want to go deep. But my point is that they allow many more people, they remove a lot of barriers for for non-technical people to be self-sufficient. And with AI, I want to believe that there is going to be this type of revolution as well. Today, we're at the very beginning. Let's not forget that it's only been a few months, not even a year, of something that could potentially change the course of history. So mm-hmm. if we have this conversation one, two, five years from now, we'll probably be surprised by the amount of things that, that we are not seeing yet. Um, but one of the things that I'm definitely seeing is that the interface in the age of AI, user experience and the interface is going to be a huge competitive advantage, because today, the way most of the non-technical users interact with AI is pretty clunky. Like we go to a uh-huh. chat interface, like Chat GPT, and then type something. And then <laughs> yeah. the machine gives us an output and then we iterate and so on. And, and it's amazing. What I'm saying is that as a product person, I see an opportunity to improve the experience for that and, and combine the sources, not just from one particular LLM. So my take is I can see how large players such as Amazon or Microsoft or OpenAI and others will end up building massive, massive LLMs, massive data centers like they did with the cloud. And then there will be a lot of players that will add value building on top of those, those platforms. Mm. Um, and that's what I think is going to be very, very exciting for people who don't come from technical backgrounds. So Absolutely. If you look at the job market today, there's a lot of people who call themselves machine learning PMs. Those t- are typically very technical PMs, yeah. and, that's, and that's good. Now they're adding AI. They're ML slash AI PMs. They're yes, because, there are them, because that keywords that crack
0: me up, really. <laughs> it's
1: an important keyword, and I think that represents more that this is a technical person that can go deep. Yeah. But I believe that any PM, even if they're not technical, should leverage AI to... To increase their own productivity but also to to increase the quality of their products
0: yeah and i think i mean the use of ai ChatGPT. it's it's kind of a form of creativity because you have to really be creative in the way that you ask the question to ChatGPT to give you the right information and i i guess to conclude there's a future product management is more uh the ai area is more probably a progression of the role rather than a replacement would you agree with that well as to a conclusion absolutely
1: uh, absolutely i i see it back even back forget about the product example Back in the day, in remember in engineering, I had to do my calculus, my algebra, my matrices. Yeah, exactly. It's so right. complex. And then you have something called calculator. And then you have to learn how to actually use the calculator because they require certain expertise. So in a way, ChatGPT is that calculator. It like,
0: is the calculator. Yes, there are, there the analogy is that, right.
1: There are a lot of people that we also want to know how to do this with pen and paper, ones and zeros. And that's important, but not for everybody. The value for most of us will be on how to use that calculator and and how to make sure that those calculators are as usable and as powerful as possible.
0: And do you see any effect in learning as a product school in general? Are you seeing any effects on students' learning capabilities using AI now? Because learning is also important, not just being a product manager, but becoming becoming a product manager. AI is also helping them. So that's also an aspect we should uh, take acknowledgement from, right?
1: I think for everyone listening right now, um, I, probably students, right, in, in your product club, I think it's such a competitive advantage right now. Absolutely, if you, can, if you can jump in early, and it's it's not too late. Yes, obviously, we're in San Francisco or or in, or in Dallas in certain places. We all all we read is news around artificial intelligence. It might feel like, oh my god, I'm too late. No,
0: I missed it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you, you <laughs> didn't miss it. We're at the very very beginning. So putting that extra effort to try to see what's going on can give you a tremendous advantage before this truly becomes mainstream. And like we do at product school, which is trying to, to learn by, by building, by doing, there is no replacement for just, you know, rolling up your sleeves and and trying. And hopefully while you try, you have some fun. It doesn't need to be a super structured course. It doesn't need to be something very, very complicated. You don't need to go deep and start coding, but like finding fun ways to play with it and find some of these use cases, even if they have nothing to do with your job, even if it's as simple as like creating a recipe can inspire you to Mm. then take that to the next
0: level. Absolutely. So uh, that's a very good thing that you said, Carlos, that the future is bright and you're not too late in entering this AI because somehow it feels like it's over. But we haven't started yet when you think of it. AI, just open AI was just the beginning and the companies are working on it. They still haven't launched AI tools that are being worked on right now. The world, in my opinion, the world has not changed as it will change in the coming months.
1: Exactly. In a way, we, we live in a, in, in, a, in a bubble, which is amazing, right? Like we are all in tech hubs, learning from the best, having access to amazing technology. And it, it feels like when you open your LinkedIn profile or your Twitter or your X newsfeed, it feels like everybody is on it. But it's not. Yeah. There's a vast majority yeah, I, of people who are still honestly, to honestly, catch up. Honestly, I feel
0: like it's just trendy right now to speak about AI. Let me make a post about AI because uh-huh. I sound smart. I, I look smart. And that kind of bothers me, but that's another topic.
1: <laughs> and in, uh, in a way, this, uh, product, yeah. it's also not too late to jump into product. Yes, we might have started Never, 10 years right? ago. And in a way, we feel like, oh, my God, 10 years ago. Well, yes, 10 years ago was probably better than, than mm. now but yeah. now mm. is way better than two years from now and three years from now or you know so we're still at the very beginning of a lot of opportunity and I think that the sooner you start playing with it I wouldn't say go all in but like the sooner someone starts playing with it the sooner you can also start seeing some results.
0: This is it. This is the future of product, which by the CEO of product school himself, it is very bright. As he said, this is the right time and the right moment for us to be product managers. I hope you're listening out there. You want to be a product manager. You're fighting to become a product manager. This helped and motivated you to keep on going. On the next episode, I have two special and very important guests. I would say I will have two recruiters, one from CDK Global and one from from CBRE and we're gonna discuss the hottest topic at the moment, internships. Um, Oftentimes students will come into a screening call thinking that they have to be a certain type of person, that they have to Uh, be this aggressively bubbly person or this someone who knows exactly what they're talking about and Mm. maybe they come off as arrogant or but they're, but they're nervous and they're trying to fit on a persona that doesn't necessarily fit. You know, y'all are taking, you're majoring in the same things. You're taking the same classes. What really will help you stand out and what stands out to me, um, and I always tell students this, is get involved on campus or just, you know, volunteer. Do things like outside the classroom that you can use to kind of fill out your resume. That will really make you stand out. Thank you for listening to the Product League podcast. I'll see you at the next episode.